Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. LinkedIn Jobs matches people to your role based on more of who they really are, their skills, interests, and even how open they are to new opportunities. For $50 off your first job post, go to linkedin.com slash fool. That's linkedin.com slash fool. Terms and conditions apply. It's Monday, October 8th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I thought you would be up in New York celebrating the Yankees World Series victory. Uh, you know, we only celebrate uh, when there's a real World Series in hand. I mean, which happens a lot, as you know, for Yankees fans. Not this century, not, but not. But, uh, <laughs> but the way they played in Game Two, it's looking like looking like they're going to get here. Are we a sports podcast? No, we're not. We're business, so we're going to get to the movie business, which had kind of a surprising weekend. We're going to do an earnings preview. Uh, let's start with let's start with Facebook, <laughs> because Facebook. I don't know if you've noticed, but Facebook has been in the headlines in 2018 largely for security reasons, or I should say, lack of security reasons. And I spent part of my weekend dealing with the latest email hack, which is people saying, "Hey, you you may have been hacked. You may have gotten an email from me saying uh, I, I'm looking for a friend request and don't accept it because it's this whole other thing." And uh, for some reason, Facebook decided in the wake of this latest hack that today would be a good day to unveil a new device. And the device is called Portal. And it's essentially Facebook's way of competing with the Amazon Echo and the Google Home Assistant. And it is a Facebook powered camera and microphone that I'm supposed to put in my home. And I'm sorry, but. Given all of the security problems that Facebook has had in the last 12 months, there's no way in the world I'm buying this thing. Give me, give me the downside. Uh, because the, downside? the only downside I see is that Facebook knows a whole lot more about you all the time. Exactly. And everybody trusts Facebook with all of their data. This just this just seems surprisingly tone deaf for a business that has been built um, by someone who um, really seems to have been in touch with the way the world is going in terms of online social media connections and also with the acquisitions, with the acquisition of of Instagram and WhatsApp, but particularly Instagram. This this just seems and I don't know how much money they spent to make this thing. I'm not worried about Facebook's finances because they basically print money, but this really seems like a misstep. It seems like a misstep. I'll take the other side for a second, although I'm basically on on the same side uh, as you with this, and that is that if they so this was a scheduled launch, I assume, and yeah, they've got yet another bad headline from last week, and uh, there'll be more in the future. I'm guessing if they delay this until we can't quite remember when the last time Facebook was in the headlines for you know abusing uh, our privacy, uh, then they might have a very long wait, and it'll this will blow over because news cycles are so short now that people. I mean, it it's a bigger problem in the sense that Facebook is for. 
for us anyway, becoming more and more synonymous with um, failing in its what, what we would hope to be their protection uh, of uh, privacy and data and security. Yes, and the difference with this latest hack is it's not just the headlines out on news sites and on cable television news. It's right there in your Facebook feed. I mean, my Facebook feed this weekend was a whole lot of people posting, including myself, by the way, posting a message saying, hey, if you got this thing from me, I, I, I was not actually sending you another friend request. Ah. So you still go to Facebook? You still use it? Yes. Yeah. Every now and then. Okay. Well, when you stop, then you won't be confronted with this as much. <laughs> I guess that's true. But again, I because that's probably coming. Or is it? Are you so uh, you know taken by what you get from Facebook that you're unlikely to to walk away from it? So you and I have talked before about sports fandom and how. Um, and I'll just use you as an example because you're sitting here. No, no. Use a hypothetical <laughs> no, me. No, no, not me. Just the the guy who's a little bit like me, perhaps. <laughs> um, so you are very much a New York Yankees fan, and you, uh, which is odd considering you're from Philadelphia, but that's a whole other thing. And I'll leave that to the people of both New York and Philadelphia to judge you for. I'm not going to judge you for it. I'll let them do Philadelphia that. Philadelphia is closer to New York than Maine is to Boston. <laughs> Um, we're talking about you. So you're a New York Yankee fan, and you, when the Yankees are not doing well, you've said before when the Yankees aren't doing well, that you suffer from that. You're you're an invested fan, where as opposed to there are teams that you root for that you you only get good things from. If they're doing well, it's great, but you're not as emotionally invested uh, as as you are with the New York Yankees. True. True. So that that's uh, sort of my relationship with Facebook. Like I'm not, I'm not as in the same way that you're not emotionally invested in a professional hockey team. That's kind of how I am about Facebook. It's like yeah, every once in a while I'll get something good from it. I'm not if 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 there's garbage on Facebook, I'm not that invested. Do you check it daily? I don't. No, I don't think I do. All right. Um, I'm just. I'm now curious to see where this device goes, what comes up on the next conference call, or maybe the one after that, in terms of, hey, how many of those portal devices have you sold? Because it's hard for me to imagine it's going to be a lot. I think it gets them in the game, right? And and not necessarily that getting in the game is enough, because there are any number of uh, times when one company, Facebook, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, uh, is a, a, a laggard in one or another part of uh, each other's markets and and makes an attempt to get in. Uh, Microsoft with the phone, for instance, uh, or or Amazon uh, with the phone, um, and it's just too late, right? Uh, so the devices and and having the devices in the home, uh, Amazon, Google, Apple. Facebook needs to be there in order to not miss out, perhaps, on what will be the next huge market. So this gets them in there, and obviously they're working with some disadvantages in terms of their reputation for security and privacy. But it gets them in the game, and it may be as much of a failure as Facebook getting into search, but. 
you know, time will tell. Let's move on to the weekend box office, which surprisingly had the movie Venom, which had gotten terrible reviews. The the Rotten Tomatoes rating for Venom is thirty one percent. Venom not only had the biggest opening weekend at eighty million dollars, it had the biggest opening weekend ever for a movie released in October, and October is one of those. Weird months for the movie industry, where the serious films that are vying for Academy Award nominations and Golden Globe nominations, that sort of thing, they're they're held off until really the last six weeks of the year. So there's less competition in October. But I was I remember watching all of the previews for Venom and thinking, boy, this as someone who has enjoyed Marvel characters on the big screen. This looks like a movie I have no interest in whatsoever. Well, I've turned to my daughter, who uh, has has the review that I'm relying upon, uh, because she saw it last night, which I guess is proof to an extent that the marketing worked. You know, she was out there seeing it, despite the fact that the reviews were already out that it was no good. She was going to see it. And uh, I could read her review, uh, but I won't. I'll just skip to the part where she thinks that um, they wasted too much time on the science behind symbiosis. Uh, this is, you know, made-up science, uh, and and a romantic subplot. And I don't know why you need a romantic subplot for a monster. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. I mean, that, that that seemed to work. I mean, that's kind of a tried and true model. Yeah. See, at the end, he goes back to being I don't know a, a human or something. But uh, I don't I don't know that, that my perception of Venom is. Ooh, I hope he becomes you know able to get the girl. Right. That would be that would be unfair if if a monster with teeth like that doesn't get the get a girl by the end of the movie. So I'm wondering if this actually portends good things, not just for Sony because Sony is uh, the studio that put this out. This is what this is the weird relationship with Marvel characters where you have Sony still has even though Disney owns Marvel, Sony has the rights to some characters, and so. This is a Marvel character that is actually not part of the Marvel universe as we think about with Iron Man and Thor and Hulk and Black Panther, etc. Um, but I'm wondering if this means good things not just for Sony but also for movie studios because we've been hearing for a few years now that boy, movie studios are going to be going out of business at some point, and certainly. In large part, you have not wanted to invest in publicly traded movie uh, movie theater stocks, but for for movie theaters, like if they can pull if they can pull a few surprises every year like this, I don't know. Maybe it's it starts to get more attractive. Well, it's an extension of the power of the franchise. I, I think absent Marvel's association here, and uh, nobody would see this if it were just somebody's idea for a a symbiote that comes from outer space and decides to wipe out the human race, but then uh, decides not to in the middle of the film for some reason because you can get the girl right. Well, uh, you know, love conquers all is always a good good turning point in a plot, but. Uh, I, I, it's all the Marvel brand, and so how far does that go in terms? Of, Marvel is cranking out and 
as you say, this is Sony, and, and then Fox has got X-Men, and then the rest of the Marvel Universe is with Disney. Uh, but that's that can only expand so much. And so, if that is the future, um, more of that brand and more sequels to the things that are already known, uh, it is kind of squeezing out the independent stuff more and more into uh, TV, which has not been a bad relationship for TV to get uh, so much of, of uh, you know that work, uh, and and for the movie theaters to just be spectacles, spectacles, and Oscar, a couple Oscar nominees at the end of the year, and and everything else is kind of forgettable. Before we get to an earnings preview, I want to say a quick thanks to LinkedIn. The right hire can make a huge impact on your business, and that's why it's so important to find the right person. And where do you find them? You find them on LinkedIn, because LinkedIn is more than the world's largest professional network. It's also a better way to find great talent. 70% of the U.S. workforce is already on LinkedIn. 70%. What are you waiting for? Businesses rate LinkedIn jobs 40% higher than job boards at delivering quality candidates. And if you have ever tried to hire someone, you know how crushing it is when you start interviewing someone, you get them in your office, and they're just not even remotely what you're looking for. It's all about delivering quality candidates, because that's what you want. You can just ask any of the hundreds of thousands of businesses who have posted to LinkedIn jobs over the past year. 22 million professionals view and apply to jobs on LinkedIn every week in every industry, even yours, even mine. So, if you're not using LinkedIn for your hiring needs, you're missing out. So, get over to LinkedIn.com slash fool for $50 off your first job post. That's LinkedIn.com slash fool. Terms and conditions apply. Earnings season kicks off in earnest later this week. The banks will be out Thursday and Friday with their, and that really kicks off sort of the the last quarter of the year. What is what is something that you and the folks at Motley Fool Asset Management are watching this quarter? And it can be a company, it can be an industry, it can be a particular metric. What are you looking for? Uh, really, I'm looking at margins more than anything else, and the the divergence, I suppose, in the profitability of companies. Of course, the economy has been very strong, and the top line and bottom lines are exceptionally strong. I think earnings were up 26% on an earnings per share basis last quarter, which is remarkable growth and is something that is fueled to a large extent. By tax cuts and everybody knows that, but to also a very large extent by the improvement in margins, and that is not distributed equally across all companies. Uh, the manufacturing and old economy companies are much more affected by increased transportation costs, and for some industries, increased human uh, labor costs. So it's been. The tech companies that have been fueling this margin growth and have been fueling the earnings growth, and they're expected to have another phenomenal quarter of growth. But as you can tell from the last couple of days, the market is beginning to look at growth companies a little bit more, a lot more cautiously than it did four or five days ago. Is that a good thing? Because it kind of seems like it could be. It's a good thing for. 
future returns, uh, lower prices are, are better for future returns. It's a bad thing if you already own something that's down 10% and you wanted to sell it in, in the near term. It's a bad thing if you're speculating on the near term uh, price of stocks. I mean, interest rates are the biggest story out there right now, and it'll be interesting to see how companies that do have a lot of debt, which again is the more your old economy types of things than the um, tech companies, what they're talking about their expected uh, costs because uh, interest interest rates have uh, materially gone up and are pointed higher. So, what do they have to say? That was something we talked about. I think it was actually our lead story on Motley Fool Money last weekend. Was we were talking sort of big macro stuff, and one of the things that Ron Gross and Matt Argusinger keyed on, keyed in on was specifically what you're talking about: bonds being at a seven-year high, ten-year Treasuries being at a seven-year high, and sort of like at some point, if they keep going in that direction, if they keep headed north, at some point they start to become more attractive than certainly some stocks in a given person's portfolio. Yeah, I, and and so interest rates going up is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's uh, you know it uh, all depends on on where you are. For savers, uh, getting actual returns uh, in their bank accounts is a new thing. Uh, relatively, you know, over the last ten years, it's been a, a forgotten experience for a lot of people and. For bond investors who have really only made money on the uh, rates continuing to go lower, and the way lowering rates increases the value of bonds you already hold, uh, but but decrease the rates that you expect to make going forward, you know the bond market now is beginning to be uh, a place where you might consider. Putting money with an expected return uh, more in the three or four percent range than had been the case for for a decade. The most recent episode of Motley Fool Money was our 500th episode. Later this week, we're going to be having our 1500th episode of Market Foolery, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, we'd be a, a little shorter uh, to that goal were it not for. The occasional apropos of nothing episode, that special episode, special special episodes where we talk about nothing related to investing. Um, and I've gotten a couple of email uh, and and tweets from people over the last few months saying, "Please don't do it again." No, no, I'm sure those people, uh, the I'm, silent majority, the silent majority. I'm sure those people just like immediately delete the episode if it shows up in their feed. No, a couple of people have asked like, "Hey, it's been a while." When you know, last time you did one was right before the Winter Olympics. What you know? Are you going to be doing another one soon? I think we are. I think we're going to be doing at least one more before the end of the year, possibly two more. Yeah. Well, they take seven, eight months to prep. You know. So we. <laughs> if by months you mean minutes, then yeah, I think I think that's about how long they. What do you want to talk about on this uh, next apropos? I don't know. Am I invited? Uh, yep. Yeah. Of course. Um, I, you know, uh, I think it, it depends on the timing. If we do it before Halloween, I think some something related to Halloween would make sense, whether it's candy related or costume related. I thought you spent like every episode going into candy in the weeks leading up to Halloween. No, no. I mean, we'll touch on it here and there, and certainly we. Tim Hansen in his last episode. Uh, before departing the Motley Fool, um, we we got into a surprisingly heated debate uh, 
about fun size candy versus regular size candy. Were fisticuffs involved? Fisticuffs were not involved, but were uh, weapons drawn? Um, I will just say, on one side of the debate was Tim Hansen, on the other side of the debate was Dan Boyd. So if 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 Dan and Tim came to fisticuffs, I I th- I mean, no disrespect to Tim, who's an incredibly athletic guy, but just I think the way to bet in that situation is on Dan. Well, if in a, like a steel cage situation, steel cage, absolutely. Like if Tim can run away, I'm not saying that he's a coward and he would <laughs> run away. I'm just saying that if for some reason that became the right strategy, your money's on Tim. Yeah, more of a runner than Dan. More of a runner than Dan, but in a steel cage, Dan, Dan probably. Yeah, the betting, the betting's going to be on Dan. Doesn't if Tim runs away, doesn't that mean I automatically win? Oh, like a default situation, like a forfeit. Like I'm not going to race Tim. Like that, like the, the 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 boxing match that happened recently, where the guy, where the one boxer, just like walked out of the ring just before the fight even started. He just sort of like looked at his opponent and said, "Oh, okay, I got to go." <laughs> yeah, I think that's a victory for old DB over here, Parker. So yeah, well, I I'm not here to instigate this particular fight, if only because Tim is not around to right. then follow up on it. Uh, but uh, otherwise, I'd be happy to instigate. So just to wrap up on apropos of nothing, if uh, longtime listeners who actually enjoy the apropos of nothing have suggestions on non-investing topics uh, for Bill and myself and and one other person to discuss to kick around, you can email us marketfoolery at fool dot com. You got the third person locked down yet? Uh, we have top men. Working on this. Top men. Top Thank goodness. Men. Bill Barker, Motley Fool Asset Management. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.